Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Delve into the visceral world of hip hop. With the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is He Said, Ella Dijo with Eric Winter and Rosalind Sanchez. Hi. Good morning. Good welcome. afternoon. Good afternoon. It is, what time is it? Okay. 10 o'clock. It yeah, is. we're recording. Uh, welcome to a new episode of He Said, Ella Dijo. So many things to talk about today, Eric. Yeah, wanna... we have some great, uh, some things we've been just mulling over for, for conversation purposes, but one of them. This is a new a new thing that I, I just came across uh, okay. a person, uh, a man who works in the business. And uh, could you do this? Like we're, we're, we're about to embark on another stretch of time where we're going to be apart because you're about to go do Fantasy Island again for, yes. for a couple, maybe three and a half months. But I think we won't see each other again for maybe two months, which wasn't as bad as the first time. Okay. So this person I just met directs and... They've been married for 21 years. Mm-hmm. They have two kids now, I think, or three kids. I don't know, but they're all older now. Okay. But since the kids were born, a year after being married, this person who directs um, lives in another country far farther away and just has to travel to the U.S., only comes home for Christmas and sometimes a break maybe in the summer. So basically, married for 20 years, the kids know nothing different. There's the country's too far away, so there's no jumping back and forth for a quick weekend. You know, you're as a director, you're on set twenty four seven in prep. You're always working. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see the kids for five, six months at a time for the past twenty years, or the wife. What do you think? You, I mean, you're you're very happy, and I, I get it to go work on Fantasy Island again, which is great, and it's only thirteen episodes, so it's not going to be that long, mm-hmm. but. Are you fine bailing on me and the kids for uh, every year for five or six months at a time? For five or six months at a time? Yeah, and that's, if that's all the kids knew, you're going to be gone five or six months at a time. No, I'm not comfortable. I'm, I'm not happy. Because you want to direct, too. By any means. Yeah, but that's more if you're directing episodic TV. When you do TV, when you do episodic, you go from gig to gig to gig to gig, and then, yeah, that happens. And that's why I'm telling you that I'm not... God willing, I can continue directing. I'm not as inclined 
to just be an episodic TV But that doesn't solve director. the problem. If you go do a feature, you no, can be gone for no. two months. Exactly. You go, do, you go on for two months, you did your feature, and then you go but back home, and, still, the, and then you, you don't do that for the next six months okay, or whatever. Okay, so if you go do like you wanted to do earlier this year, you go do Fantasy Island for four months, yeah. you come back home for maybe two weeks, three yeah, weeks, then you go again gonna, for two months I'm to direct something. I'm going to warn you right now, uh, 2022, there's going to be a lot of traveling because there's a lot of projects, at least three or four, that I need to get out of the way. And then 2023... 2021 was the same way. You were gone for no, eight months out of the year. Yeah, well, you were. Okay, it is. But it's not 20 years. So just bear with me. I'm but, 48 years old. Listen to me. Let me finish. Mm. I'm 48 years old. Um, I've been, I'm so lucky and blessed that I've been doing this for so long and I'm still working. And very soon, because of my age and I'm a woman, and maybe I'm just talking out of my ass, but are, I'm thinking you, that I'm going to take advantage of this burst of blessings that i'm getting because they make me happy that doesn't mean that so i'm you're gonna be okay with it five no i'm not okay with 20 years and I, well, that's not my but this case. is the beginning of it that's this not is the, this is the first time well, in our, in i have to go marriage. to fantasy island for three and a half months then we're gonna go to mexico together to do a movie together for for a month and a half and then you're gonna take off again for two months and then I have to do one more thing for two months. Yeah. I'm trying to move that thing to Los Angeles. I told you that. I said, I'm going to... No, for the, that thing? That thing better be in Los Angeles. There's no way you're going to go well, for that project. Well, don't say... I'm not game for that. Be, not the one that you wrote. Not the one that you wrote. The one that you wrote, I get it. The one that someone's hiring you for, no way. That's not worth Anyways, it. That's so not worth it. I, I feel like the question was all a trap. No, I didn't even know. I didn't, have a problem. I didn't even. This is actually brand new information. I didn't even know you were considering that project if it shot if it shot out of, out of the out of the. That's what I said to you LA. that I'm trying no, to make it. You said to LA. they're approaching me again to do this, and I said if it's in LA, and I said yes, if it's in LA, totally makes sense. If it's not in LA, okay. that project does not. Anyway, make sense. to answer your question, am I comfortable leaving for twenty years? And seeing my kid two months out of the year for 20 years? No, somebody else what about is your upbringing. And the, and this <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm talking about this person, doesn't see their, this person doesn't see their partner but twice a year and basically told me they just, well, live, they just live their separate lives. Okay, so but, they're married when they're okay, together, but, but when their, they're separate, okay, they're separate. But that's, that's, Meaning that's, I'm assuming it means uh, an open relationship. Well, but that's not our case and it's never going to be our case. So don't compare your, but if, your life journey if this is with the, that man if this is it has nothing to do with yours because even when i'm traveling i am very present but you know that i'm all about being a mom but what about and being a wife, wife and a wife exactly you I just keep said saying, it no, a wife. i had to remind you you keep saying for the kids wow. as a mom i just got hot i'm uncomfortable i didn't even know this was going to happen the, because okay, you didn't tell me about this is not project. a conversation that we have to have on he said ella dijo, if you, you have an issue we can have we can Talk it out no, no, no. privately, and then we bring it up. You just said at this moment in my life where I'm in this age and all this stuff is starting I'm for the ride first the time. Wave, I'm, 100%. Yes. What if that wave goes for twenty years? Then no, clearly no, you're okay years. with it. No, no, I'm not because I'm going to make a choice not to ride the wave as a surfer. Okay, <laughs> but then make a choice to I'm ride. I'm going to make a choice okay. to to just be picky and, and pick and choose what I'm going to do. Pick and choose the right wave. Of course. And because I will. that wave that you're talking about that I didn't even know about that we just brought up right now is not the right wave. I don't have to tell you about it, Eric, because you know, no. you know that, that I'm very lucky that I'm That project show. was dead. Yeah, forget, forget about that project. I'm about the, the show project. I'm fine with. Yes. And then, then what are we talking about? The then? project that you just brought up. It doesn't matter. Up. It's just one project. It's that two months is, of, of oh, your life. Is Ooh. the wrong wave. Okay. It's fine. Whatever. 
Anyways, next topic. Oh, this was R- ridiculous. This completely went sideways. I had yeah, no idea. Yeah, it did. Because but I, I know. didn't know that that was going to be the the that what you were going to bring up. I really didn't. It doesn't matter. You know, I think I think this is the deal, oh. guys. This is what Eric wanted to hear. No, never, I wanted to have a conversation. I will never do that. As I, a matter of fact, I'm not. I'm not even going to work anymore. I will no, never. No, I don't want you not to work. You drive you drive me crazy if you didn't work because you exactly. love to work. Exactly. I'm glad you but, know that. But you love to work, and I support. And I support Just your work. Know, I always have supported your, your wife, work. Well, your wife's priority and her life is her kids and her husband. Well, kids, you, kids, you said it clear every I'm single time. Your husband, that you I am able to work the amount of work that I'm receiving. And thank you, Lord, because I have worked really, really hard 100%. to get to this place. But you got to pick good work that makes sense to I leave to work. leave town. If it's in town, have you can you can pick so so work. work. If it's out of town, I'm very proud of all the work yeah, that I've done. But work, oh, there's a couple of things that are unnecessary. E- exactly. But this is before I met you, so it but still, really even unnecessary work. If it's in town, eh, if it's a payday, eh, maybe you consider it. But if it's out of town, unnecessary work could be passed on. Anyways, okay. Anyways, so let's Whew, talk about. I didn't anticipate that. That I was know, you brought it up. So you I should, didn't you, know you did anticipate gonna, it. I did not know we were going to talk about okay. that. Next, I was talking about Fantasy Island. Wow. Um, Okay, we have two more topics that we want to discuss, but we're going to do something different. We have a great guest, so we are going to talk to our guests, and then at the very end, when we close our final thoughts, we will bring up these two other hot topics because they are hot. Are they? But they're hot. Hot? Hot. There you go. Caliente. Caliente in a bad way, though. They're actually not not, not good stories, but I think we should talk about it. Anyways, our guest, Aida... Rodriguez. Guys, you know what? I was thinking about this, Eric. This little podcast that we do, he said, Ella dijo, that is a labor of love that we, we, we so much enjoy, that is growing and growing, and we're getting more and more and more listeners. We have been so lucky because the caliber of talent that we get and the conversations that we get to have are pretty special. And we do have people telling us that. People, people within the business saying, your guests are awesome, guys. It's you guys true. are getting really good people. Today is one of those cases. We have a woman, this beautiful lady, Dominican Puerto Rican. I feel like she's my sister. I feel like I'm related. Um, and I'm, I'm Rodriguez as well. I'm Sanchez Rodriguez and she's Aida Rodriguez. I thought you were Winter. Yeah, that too. I'm <laughs> uh, Rosalind Sanchez, Winter Rodriguez. Anyways, she has a new show for HBO, Stand Up Comedy, Max. HBO Max. It's her first one hour. Stand-up special. And correct me if I'm wrong. She's the first female uh, Latina on HBO Max to have her own stand-up special. I think right? so. Let's ask. I okay. think so. I think so. I went to the premiere. She's incredible. So ridiculously smart and outspoken. She doesn't give a flying F about what anybody thinks. She has her point of view, and she will open her mouth and say it. And you know what? She's not wrong. Let's bring That's her in. That's the beauty A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. 
watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Aquí está. Hola, mami. ¿Cómo tú estás, mi amor? Bien, ¿y tú? Hello, ¿Cómo estás? Hello. Gracias. This is my husband, Eric. I don't think you have, you've met Eric before. No, I only met him on Fantasy Island while he was climbing that mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. How are you? Thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you for Sorry having me. Sorry I missed your show. I heard it was incredible. I know a lot of people that actually went. I know. I mean, besides my uh, wife, but I, everybody just raved about it. And it was, yes. uh, I'm so thrilled uh, for you. Thank you. I, I hope it's doing well. It came from a good place. It did. It, of course it's going to do well. It is so awesome, Aida. Thank and you. I told you afterwards and I texted you about it. I, I was so, I am so incredibly impressed you know i i laughed my ass off i i i cried i was with lisa vidal a mutual friend we're both looking at each other over and over again going like she is really she's really something she's really freaking something and correct me if i'm wrong Ida, aren't you the first uh female to have her own special on hbo max am i making that up or is that true 
Not the only the first female. I think I'm the first Latina. Latina. Okay. Wow. First yeah, female Latina. Believe, everyone's special. Um, yeah, Beth uh, Stelling and uh, Phoebe Robinson both have specials on HBO. Got Max, it. So okay. I think I'm the first Latina. Nice. I think I, I think on the whole HBO platform. platform. That's incredible. And okay, um, Aida, boy, I'm gonna go a little bit to to the past, you know, for people to okay. get to know you um, a little better. So you're Dominican Puerto Rican. You grew up thinking you're fully Puerto Rican. You learned you were Dominican as an adult. Um, more, more not an adult but later on in life like I, I i never i didn't grow up thinking i was half dominican i only knew my puerto rican side but it was maybe uh maybe like teen years like really early teen, like wow. right when, when i started you know having having a sensibility about things that um i didn't have as a child explain that to me because I, I, I don't know you know much about your backstory what uh why did you not know about the Dominican side of your, your heritage at all? Um, I think it was more, uh, I mean, I joke about it in terms of the, the rivalries that you hear about the different Latin American countries. Cause I was trying to make a point about it, but specifically when it comes to my situation, I just think that my mom was very hurt about my father. Um, she took me from him. She actually, you know, took me from him and I never saw him again. She kidnapped me from him and wow one of those like parental kidnap situations and I didn't see him again until June. So I think that it was just more about um, not wanting to tell me about that entire side of that story. So I just, they just told me you you just belong to us. You're Puerto Rican and that's it. When you say you didn't see him until June, June of when? 2021. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. It's in the back. Wow. It's on the documentary of the special. It's at the back end. And I actually shared that with, I did something um, that was very scary because, um, you know, I don't like trauma porn when it comes to Latinos, Latinx people, people of color. But I was just like, I know there are a lot of people who have experienced this and it's not just Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. I mean, I've had quite a few white people send me mm -hmm. messages and saying I didn't know who my father was. Mm -hmm. Some people were even saying, like, I didn't know I was part Irish. Like I grew up with my Polish family and they never told me I was Irish like that deep into it. And so I just wanted to release some people from shame. Like I wanted people to see that I, who was a stand-up comedian that you've seen on Netflix, I that's my story and that it's okay. Yeah, that's great. Wow. So you're, I know the documentary and for people to know, the, the special is one hour. And then after the, the, the special, there's a documentary where she travels to Puerto Rico and she travels, travels to DR. Um, just to show culture and to and, and to and to share with the world, you know, her her journey, meeting her father after so many years, meeting a lot of siblings because you had like how many were they like sisters and so there there were uh, two sisters, no three sisters that were in the Dominican Republic. There's one in the United States. There's a brother in the United States. So, I, but there were um, six nephews and nieces that I didn't know about. Um, there is actually, I believe, eight of them total because I have a sister here that has two children and I, that I've never met. So it was a uh, it was just a lot. It was it was a, it was a shock because it was just yeah. all these people knew who I was, but I never knew about them until I connected with my dad. So I didn't meet them when I shot the documentary. I, I, that was a joke, but I had not known about them my whole life. I only knew. Them. He lives in Puerto Rico. No, no, DR. he lives in the DR. He went to the DR. In the Dominican Republic, okay. yeah, he, he got, he got depo deported, so he was undocumented, and 
he lived in, and you know, that's, that's one of the things about one of the rivalries between Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic is Puerto Ricans are very proud of their American citizenship. And it is something that they are, they don't ever, you know, they never hesitate to throw in someone's face <laughs> in Latin America. It's like one of the points for Puerto Rico. Well, my father was undocumented. So he, I was an anchor baby, according to what these, you know, the people who are anti uh immigration. And so it was, it was, I never knew that was my story. I always knew I was American. I was born in Boston. And so <laughs> to find out like about my father, him being undocumented, him being deported multiple times from the United States was just learning about a, a, a part of myself that is relatable to an immigrant story in this country. Cause Puerto Ricans are not immigrants. Puerto Ricans are U S American citizens. Mm -hmm. And when they come here, they're just traveling to another part of America. So when people are like calling us immigrants, they're like that they're, they're not immigrants. <laughs> they're not, you know, but I think, but I think when you go into the dictionary, because I believe, um, I looked this up once, um, the definition of immigrants is somebody that leaves your homeland to go somewhere else. So if you follow the dictionary, we are, we are immigrants because I, right. I'm leaving the comfort. I'm leaving my patria to go to a place that to me is foreign, even though I'm, I have citizenship, you know, when I move, when I left Puerto Rico, I'm moving to leave, to, to live somewhere else. So, but that's also something that's, you know, and it's interesting because we're developing a show right now that involves a Puerto Rican, uh, a girl and a family and anyways but it's something that i touched on when i was writing this stuff up and obviously i don't you know i i learned more about puerto rico when i married my wife but it's like that is one of the tricky things about being puerto rican i think is that yeah you're an american citizen you a lot you share a lot of things in common with the america with the america right that when you're in puerto rico but it really feels like you're in a completely different country you you don't you can vote for the for the presidential primary you can't vote for the president you're you're mm -hmm. treated completely like you are from another country, yet you have all the rights to be in this country. Often, mm -hmm. you know, people that are from Puerto Rico. I'm talking like old Puerto Rican souls, like that grew up on the island that never left. Not somebody who grew up in the states, Puerto Rican, because that's different. That would be like an Italian that grew up in the states. Like you don't know any different. You're American, but if you yeah. grew up in the heart of Puerto Rico and you never left until you were 20, 30 years old, I don't think you're treated necessarily or feel necessarily the same because. You don't, don't know I, America. I, I don't think you feel like you're Especially if you never US traveled, citizen. right? Yeah. I mean, it's tricky. Listen. Like a lot of kids never leave Puerto Rico. There's a lot of kids from the, the center of the island that have never been to the beach. Even yeah. though they're a drive away. You know, you know what I mean? It's, 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 really, it's really intense. Y preguntarte, Aida, so from your mom's side, the parte de mamá, you were the only, you were an only child or you have siblings? No, I have siblings. I have, you know, I have two, uh, three, two brothers and one sister and they're, they are, Puerto Rican and Cuban. So wow. it's, it's, there's all this, there's some, you know, I, wow. I like, I'm in the middle of like the, the entire Spanish speaking Caribbean at home. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really, <laughs> to care about the melting pot. <laughs> yeah. And then we're dealing with all different types of politics. And so when I say immigrant, wow. I don't, I don't mean about us migrating here for a different life. My grandmother did that, but I'm talking about in the legal terms when they are yeah. calling us immigrants. Yes, for sure. Because for technically sure. by that definition, everybody is an immigrant, right? Then I, the people who's from Ireland who came here yeah. seeking- 100%. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So everybody is, but 
you know, uh, you know, my stepfather's Cuban. And so then I learned, uh, I grew up hearing about this political conflict in Cuba and they're having asylum, which is very different than Dominicans who are undocumented and Puerto Ricans who are Puerto Ricans who are natural born citizens. And it's just so daunting because they treat us all the same. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, it's fascinating. I know, but here we're all Mexican. Yeah. (laughs) If it's a Latino, (laughs) Latino in in, in California, like Mexican. Can can you do the Mexican accent? No, actually, it's not Mexican. I'm Puerto Rican. What the heck are you talking about? You know? (laughs) Oh, I know. In those castings, it's like the worst for me is like I go in because I am tall, right? And they're like, oh, you're tall. Can you do the Sofia Vergara? Oh, and I'm like, I, I actually can't. I was like, she's speaking. <laughs> she can do the Sofia Vergara. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can do Aida Rodriguez. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, you know, it's so funny. God. Like, I think of, I have several people that say to me, uh, you know, I, I, they call me into going for this thing. And they say, can you do the uh, Rosalind Sanchez uh, yeah. accent? And I'm like, that's just so freaking funny because I have never been asked to do my accent. The contrary. Everybody wants me to get rid of my accent. I'm going, there's actually people asking you, asking to do a, 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 a Rosalind Sanchez accent when people like make me feel like they hate it. You know, isn't that weird? I'm going, yes. my whole life I've been like trying to avoid it. And now there's people asking for my accent. Stupid. It's the worst that they asked me to do an accent and I, I have refused. And I know that some casting directors hate me because I've said pass on everything when they asked me to do they, uh, they'll say, can she do a Latino accent? And I'm like, I, the, my accent or the dialect that I, that I speak in is my version of what a Latino accent is, is because I was, you know, I was born here. I was, I, I was raised in a home where they only spoke Spanish. They wouldn't allow us to speak English, but I, that's, this is the best that I can get. So when I try to do that, it doesn't sound, it sounds fake. As far as you, know, you know, what's funny to me is uh, I would never have guessed you were from Boston. Because I don't hear a sound of a Boston accent at all. I hear East Coast, yeah. but I don't hear a Boston accent. And no, I'm, from, I'm from LA. It's like a neutral accent. Like we don't have an accent. We have a surfer dude or like a valley. Like, you know what I mean? But we don't valley. have, we're considered like a neutral or just like a blah. Like we don't have a sound versus like the South or the East Coast in different areas, right? But like Boston to New York is a big difference. Absolutely. Park the car and park. Yeah, but do you have, have you ever had a Boston accent or can you no, do a Boston no, accent? Because- no, because I left there when I was a baby oh, and okay, I never okay. went back. I have family there. I lived in New York uh, during my formative Got years. Got it. Okay. I grew up in Miami and that's where I really grew up. Like, wow. And I go back and forth between here and New York, but I'm in New York, between New York and Miami, but I'm not. I'm not a Bostonian culturally. I was born in Brigham Women's, which is a, you know, a very well-known hospital there. But I never I went from Boston as a baby to the Dominican Republic. Wow, wow, you have, it's amazing. Y otra pregunta, eh, you always knew, as a, as a little girl, were you the, the, the sibling that was funny? That was a no. little bit of a, of a, no? Okay. No, we, I was actually, we were just making fun. I was with some friends who are also Latinos, and we were talking about how people, you know, when we're talking about mental illness and issues, and they'll say anxiety, you know, like people have anxiety. And I was like, when we were little, they would just call that nervioso. <laughs> they'd be like, claro. nerviosa, nerviosita, right? nerviosita, claro, claro. Yeah, they would be like, she's nervous, like that she's a nervous kid, like brush it off, go outside and play, stop yeah. being so weak. Like yeah. we didn't, we didn't have the luxury of claiming, uh, you know, anxiety or whatever. Um, but I, yeah, no, I, uh, 
I, oh my God, I grew up in the midst of chaos when I think about it. <laughs> so when did you, was it a conscious decision at some point in your life as a teenager in your twenties? When did, when did you decide, you know what? I love this, this entertainment industry universe and I, and I'm actually freaking funny. So the thing is, so first of all, the, my brother is Chino. David is the funniest person in, in our family. He's okay. the comedian at, and he's on all the time. And he always has a joke. He's at my comedy special making jokes. Like he's, <laughs> he's Chinito, my, my baby brother. Um, we, uh, I wanted to be a comedian when I was little. Cause I used to, I, my mom said I used to grab the broomstick and I used to always tell jokes and try to be funny. My, one of my tios, Davey, he introduced me to uh, Richard Pryor when I was really young and I wasn't supposed to be listening to that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I used to go, but he's the one that gave me run DMC. He gave me Richard Pryor. He gave me like, he was my, my youngest uncle that was like cool and, and hip. He, he taught me, I love Bruce Lee and Muhammad Ali. Those are like my heroes. And uh -huh. that comes from. And so I wanted to do that. But my mom would always tell me, nobody's going to want to marry a girl that's walking around being goofy and funny. And I was like, Lucy got a husband. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, He's the goofiest person on television. I love Lucy. Yeah. Like, I love, love, love Lucy. I used to watch that like, like it was going out of style. But then it was, uh, I moved to LA. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a writer. I've always written since I was a kid, a heavy prose writer. I got published when I was a, a child and I always wrote. And I wrote a script about a movie that um, I wanted to make about my life in the world of, of sports because my ex-husband um, played football in the NFL. And it made it to like the final cut of the of the Sundance Writers Lab thing. And I moved to California because I thought I was going to be. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make it. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I, I moved to California and um, I, I got signed by an agency immediately as an actor. And then I um, I started writing. I started making these independent films because I wanted to learn how to make a movie and I didn't have the money to go to film school. So I started getting gathering people's money and making these like uh, low budget straight to video films and and they were recouping their money. So people started investing and giving me money to make other projects. And then I um, I did a roast for my friend's birthday party. I mean, and Chris Spencer was there and Chris Spencer said, you are a stand-up comedian, Ida. Wow. He was like, he said, you can do the acting, you can do the writing, like all of that stuff is fine. But he's like, you should explore stand-up comedy. And he sent me to this open mic and, um, and I started doing the open mics, but it was just like, I was just doing it as a hobby. It was mm -hmm. very cathartic for me, like to just, cause I've always talked about my life on stage. I've never shied away from that. And which a lot of comedians have to evolve to that. They don't start there and some don't do it at all. And I just was like, oh, I'm going to always do this. I never want to stop. Mm -hmm. Wow. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season... We are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. 
I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So from a roast is where you discovered through a friend that I actually have this ability, because being a stand-up comedian is not easy. It's so different than being an actor. And I mean, I I say that like I know, but I, I just love comedy. I've always loved comedy. And I just think... It's a whole different beast to stand up there and expose all your inner thoughts and just hang on everybody's expression and laugh at the end. And if it's good, the fire, I'm assuming, just burns and you just roll full steam ahead. And if it dips, you got to find a way quickly to shift in your brain. Like, I don't think people understand what goes on in a comedian's head every second on a stage. Yeah, it's. You know, I, I, I like I like to say that I like I think stand up comedians have a certain brilliance that um, to sit on a to stand on the stage 
and share a thought and have, you know, hundreds of people that come from different walks of life, different thought patterns to laugh and meet at that one thought of yours is pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're right when it doesn't work, you know, somebody asked me today, how does it feel when you, well, how do you feel when you know you're about to bomb or when you start bombing and it feels like you get hot on the inside? Wow start sweating because you're like this is going bad and you know that is I used to just panic and then I would turn on the audience as I as I became more seasoned as a comic I now you know I now know how to I laugh at it it's just funny I'm like oh y'all don't like me okay <laughs> but it, it used to, I used to get so my feelings would get so hurt yeah. when the audience wasn't with me there's such an art to it, right? It's like I, I just recently uh, watched the Chappelle stand-up, uh, the closer. I mean, a little while ago, actually, I watched it, but and I love Chappelle. Um, and he talks about his trans friend, how that person, you know, he was gro- you know grooming that person to be a stand-up and trying to help to help his friend learn the craft because they were really funny in a room, but then they got up on stage and just yeah, bombed. And as soon as they got done bombing, they were in the audience and they were cracking the best jokes ever, making the whole place go nuts. Oh like, yeah. The comedy part of that. it is an art. It's not just telling jokes. There's like a way in which you craft it in your brain, right? And script it that the flow of it all makes the, you know the night. I I really want people to understand, yes, it is an art, right? Like there's this creative part of comedy that is very, very, you know, uh, interesting to watch develop because you want people to laugh and you have to choose like what you're going to talk about, what a set is about. It's also a science. There's a very technical aspect of it in terms of, it's not just you going on stage and saying funny stuff. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people who are funny at work, They come up to me after my shows and they're like, oh, yeah, my friends always tell me I should be a comedian. I'm like, just because you're the funny guy at Costco (laughs) does not mean that you are you have the the skills to be a stand up comedian Mm because you're making people laugh who are in your surroundings, who probably think like you are pretty much similar to the way you you because you're around these people. They belong to this. You have a cultural connection to these people. Stand up comedians have to make people who don't they don't have that with laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not just about um, a joke requires, you know, a lot of thought for someone like me. A lot goes into a joke because there are layers because the laugh is one of the greatest things you can get. But the best thing for me is to make people think. Yep. So if I'm talking about something that's complicated and might be controversial, I have to figure out a way around that. And then I have to structure it in the format of a joke. I'm not just going on stage and saying, you know, you know. Uh, white people are evil. Ha ha ha. Like, you know, there has to be something about, there has to be, you have to sit down and think about what is the premise? What am I trying to say here? What's the point of this? And then, okay, so here, this is the premise. What's the punchline? What is, what is it? What do I want people to laugh at about this? Cause it's just, it's a lot. And especially right now, it's Mm -hmm. so complicated. For sure. Have you ever been in, um, Part of this situation, because, you know, you, you have, of course, you prepare, you have a, your script, you know, you have your jokes, you have everything all lined up. Like you said, it's a science. Has it ever, ever happened to you that you're on stage, you feel that things are going sideways for whatever reason, people are not reacting the way you were expecting? Do you have, do you continue that mm-hmm. script and try to put some frosty and try to get out of the hole? Or have you ever been through a situation that you just have to pivot a hundred percent and just 
start talking about something that was not planned, written, or organized? That's a good question. Um, I actually have done both. So it depends on who the audience is. Um, you know, I say I don't code switch. So I that's that's one thing. Some comedians will pivot for whatever audience they're in. So they if they have a whole white audience and they change the language to make the white people feel comfortable, then when they get around Latinos, Latinx, Latin A people, then they they adjust for that. And then I don't do that. Um, it doesn't work for me because Part of me doing what I do in stand-up comedy is just being true to my authentic self. And I can't be authentic if I feel like you're uncomfortable. Now I got to pretend mm -hmm. and say something that is going to make you comfortable while I have to step outside of myself. It doesn't work for me because if you see me again, you're going to either think I was being disingenuous. It just doesn't work for me. So, but I've had to, you know, I'm doing television tapings where the, the set isn't going well and you're not supposed to do that, but I have, and I've, I've been like, I have to get a laugh here because this is a television show and I can't sink the shit because yeah. they're, they're not feeling these jokes. To me, some of the funniest comedians, that's, that's the way it should be. I mean, Chappelle, Eddie Murphy, I mean, if you go like Bill Burr, you go to these people that to me, like make me laugh, they don't shift. They just say, Ricky Gervais, they just say what is ever on their mind that they've scripted and prepared and you roll with it. The like the woke people, you know, that whole thing. I mean, there's good, there's a good side to being, you know, the woke America. There are values to it. But at the end of the day for comedy, it hurts. I think the beauty of what comedy is, which is like, if you can't laugh at yourself, if you can't laugh at the issues, if you can't laugh at your problems, you're never going to improve on them. And people need to just, that's what great comedians do. I think they make you think and laugh about things that are uncomfortable. Yeah, no, this is the reason why I did that documentary too. That was another reason why was to humanize myself as a comedian, because I think that people have a like higher expectations of stand-up comedians than they do even politicians. Like if you think of like all of the stuff that Donald Trump got away with saying out loud and still became president <laughs> after that, because the, you know, the grab him by the stuff was before he became the president of the United mm -hmm. States and then still went on to become the leader of the free world. Whereas someone who's a comedian that's problematic and makes people uncomfortable will lose their job. Yep. Lose, you know what I'm saying? So I really want people to understand that, yes, I think words matter. And I think it's important to be responsible with what you're saying. You, you can't go in a theater and yell out fire. And I think that you, it's not cool to punch down. That's low hanging fruit. But I also want people to know, like, I'm the girl who's went to visit my father this year, who grew up without my father, not knowing that I was part Dominican in the midst of dysfunction. Why do you have such high expectations for me? Why do you think my EQ is so high that I'm going to go on stage and be I'm a stand up comedian? Most of us are wacky. We go on stage by ourselves in hopes that people laugh at us mm -hmm. and validate us why do you have such high expectations of me more so than you do the superintendent of your kid's school totally. like that's we got to put things back into mm. perspective mm -hmm. does it always come from pain Ida? the writing no. no sometimes it comes from like uh silly lit silliness like it's funny who responds to what jokes in this special the fighting word special i have a joke about traffic and i talk about the way people drive according to their emotional mm -hmm. issues 
I just thought that it was a fun observation for me. And I was just like, I, I think everybody can relate to being frustrated in traffic. Yeah. And maybe this will any if he, if you're in traffic, I've been seeing so many people get hurt out because of road rage. I was like, maybe if somebody hears this joke and and, and it and it's ingrained in their subconscious mind, next time they're in a situation, they're instead of different. fighting, they can just laugh. Yeah, they react know? different. That that's valuable. You have two kids. Um, how old are they? They're like in their twenties now. Yeah, twenty five, and my son is twenty nine. Twenty nine. Oh my either, god. Either following the uh, path of entertainment or no. Both. Both. Uh, my. Yeah, my daughter's a writer. She's actually in a writer in the writer's room of a of a pretty good show. Nice. And um, she she and then my son is a director, also a writer. Uh, they're both very creative, and it's so funny because when they were younger, I never thought in could in a million years that either of them would end up. They're both very scientific, very good in math. Everything that I wasn't like, I'm very right brained. Um, my, um, I'm very, and my kids are both, my kids are creative and they know the quadratic formula. <laughs> I was like, wow. these kids are geniuses. That's awesome. That's great. Proud, ma proud mama right there. You know what I mean? When you're able to deliver to brilliant kids like that, it's, 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 it's amazing. Y ellos, for the most part, because you know, I, I, I is super transparent and, and she will say whatever she's thinking, you know, and, and. I think mm -hmm. you're freaking amazing. I'm so overwhelmed just interviewing you. Do Thank they you. ever go, mom, don't go there? Or mom, what the heck are you oh, doing? that's a great question. Yeah, do your or, kids ever be like, mom, you know, you're embarrassing me with that joke. Or do and they then... always understand where you're coming from and, and love it? I don't do any jokes on stage about anyone in my family without their permission, without but, their consent. Even wow. if it's not about the family, but something that might make them uncomfortable in society, um, do you still push it? Like, because it's your life and you're telling your story? Well, that's why I don't talk about sex on stage. Um, I don't, and it's not to shame other women for doing it, but I don't talk about my sex life and I don't talk about those things because I do think about my kids. And wow, that's great. You, you know, my kids went to Campbell, my son went to Campbell Hall. And when my son was at Campbell Hall, I was in my, early 30s, right? I was in school. I was, you know, I was in his, friends parents were in their 50s some in the 40s and their 50s and so i always felt like i had to behave in a certain way even though i don't know if it comes from an unhealthy place i never wanted to be anything that made my son feel uncomfortable because he mm -hmm. already was dealing with his teammates because he was an athlete saying wow your mom is hot and other parents feeling weird about me because I was younger. Mm -hmm. And so I took that to, with me on stage. And so while other women have the liberty of talking about, you know, things that are of sexual nature and all that stuff, I just never wanted my kids to be uncomfortable because teenage boys were like a big demographic of people who watch comedy. And I just didn't want my, my son to feel uncomfortable. I, I never wanted to give anybody the ammo mm -hmm. that would, You know, because like I say, kids are cruel and um, they didn't choose to be in this business at that age. So I, I always tried to be as respect, respectful to them because they do matter to me. And so I was like, nah, but so they really won't say anything is off limits. And when I make jokes about them, I always clear it with them. And they've given they signed off on every joke that I've ever done. Oh, that's, that's great. Beautiful. Were you a single mom, Ida, or, or, or daddy was was present? No, no, I was a single mom. I got divorced. I moved to California with my kids, and their their father is um, he lives in on the East Coast, 
And not the same type of situation with me and my father, because I've never taken my kids away from their dad. I've always insisted on them to have a relationship. I also insisted on them to seek healing. Um, he wasn't there for many years when they were younger and, um, and they both have their feelings about it. But I, I, I was the one that rallied them and said, listen, you can be together more longer than you weren't. And this is for you. Healing is always for you. Forgiveness is always for you. And you're, you're going to want to have a relationship because when somebody goes, you're gonna, you live in regret. And I just never wanted that for them. So I, I have been a single mother for a long time, but I'm very happy to say that their father is really working hard and trying to get back okay. um, in, uh, into a healthy relationship with his kids. That's great. That's great. So fighting words, it's incredible, guys. I had the opportunity and the blessing to to see it. And I can watch it 15 times and enjoy it like it was like it was the first. Thank you for for opening your heart and, and doing an, an incredible, um, an incredible job. But you're such an inspiration for for all of us, man, lady, beautiful you're an lady. inspiration for us. too. Uh, I watch, let me tell you how heavy it is to be a stand up comedian. I was texting her because I watch Fantasy Island. Yeah. Um, my uncle that was murdered, my uncle who raised me like my father was killed in a hate crime. And he was everything to me. And Fantasy Island is that he gave me like uh, television. Like I will watch Love Boat with him. Like my other uncle was like the hip hop, but I will watch Love Boat, Fantasy Island. He mm -hmm. showed me sitcoms. Well, Fantasy Island was a show that we would watch. And I was I remember being a little bit older when I was watching it with him. And it was just the, this escape mm -hmm. from reality that I needed. And so in the last uh, couple of months, you know, because I was on the road, I stay at home when I'm not on the road because I am afraid of COVID. I, uh, I just started watching it one day because I, I like to support my people. Sometimes it's hard to watch shows with people who you like because their shows are trash and you're like, I'm going to watch this book <laughs> because I said I was going to watch it. Oh, no. But um, I was watching Fantasy Island and it just, I just thought that it was, um, I like the, 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 the take. Like I was like, they didn't try to recreate this whole mm. thing. They, they let it be its own thing. And it was just so fun to watch. I love the episode when you were on there uh, because I was like, I, I, I could relate to that going back. To, so a part of my therapy is going back to when I was younger and doing that healing. Are you talking about my, my episode? Yeah, episode. Yeah. 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 It was very, you know, very meaningful in my life. Like you never know like how you're affecting people with your art, but that show just gave me joy in this, Aww. these last six months. And I, I just was, I would, just, I didn't even want to binge it. Cause I needed like, you know, like you had a little piece of cake and you're like, I'm gonna eat a piece every day. Yeah. So yes, I, yes, yes. I can have a sweet, some sweets. I just sat there and watched it. And I texted you and I was like, this show has to come back. Cause it's like, everything is such, so, so much trauma on TV. Yeah that it, it was, it just feels good to go. And you went back, like, you know, it was just great. Like when you were, you went to Cuba and it was just like so fun to watch. And so bueno. I'm like, I was very happy about that. Thank you. They meant awesome. so much to me. I was so pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh my God, I want to cry. I that takes me. She likes to fantasy island. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was our show. That was my, me and my uncle Raymond's show. It was just, very was, nice. Was so and then what's besides fighting words, um, which is going to be, Huge for your career. Career, I just, I just know it. You're developing your own TV show, right? You're gonna write a producer, star, do the whole thing. Yeah, I wrote it. We wrote the script. We just, um, we turned it in. They, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I have a, um, 
I have an animated series that I'm working on with ITV Studios, which you you will get phone calls for, for um, and <laughs> which I'm very excited because it's like my South Park. With, oh, I love it. You know, but I'm going to I'm going to make sure that that Latinos, Latinx people also get picked on because we we're not exempt from it. And um, yeah, I'm working on that. So we'll see. Nice. You know, in Hollywood, nothing is nothing. (laughs) You got to work on it all. You got to keep working. I don't believe it until I see it out, until I sign. You know what I mean? They can tell you whatever. (laughs) But, you know, it's it's a hustle. It's a a constant. I, I, I keep telling Eric, it's funny because before we started um we brought you in to start the interview we do a little bit of a reef of hot topics and things like that and he opened the show talking about he was talking to this director that is a tv episode director that for 20 years he's been traveling the world and he barely sees his kids and and his wife and and he was asking me are you comfortable doing that you know just not being present and just traveling because you want to direct because i think my future my north at some point is be behind the camera and this whole thing and i was telling him listen i i, I think i'm a great mom and i'm a great wife but I, I'm 48 years old and I've been blessed either with a lot of work, you know, and I said, I want to ride this way for a little longer because I don't know how long it's going to last. You know, is that because I've been I've been working so hard for so many years and I'm lucky that I'm still wanted and needed. That's not to say because he freaked out. Was what do you mean? Like, like your family is not important. I go, of course it is. But I'm just saying all this because. People like you and me, women of color, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that we, it, it's, it's a, it's a fight every day. It's like, let me just swim, swim because I don't want to freaking drown, you know, yeah. type of thing. So we just have to. Sometimes it's just luck of the draw. I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough to be working on a show in, in Los Angeles. So it's, that's the dilemma, right? It's like, I'm, I work here and I, I can't, I can't travel. I'm, you know. And I would love eight to. Eight months of filming yeah, and she's lo- gone for. I'm gone. I would love to every work that I do to be in Los Angeles. I don't have the clout at this moment in my life to be uh, like, I'm not, I'm not working if, I, if it's not in LA. You know what I mean? Like I can tell Fantasy yeah. Island people, you, we're going to shoot this at Warner Brothers. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, so. You're on a procedural show, right? Yes. Yeah, I do a show called The Rookie on ABC, which is like. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. No, I've like, seen it. I've it's seen like it. A, it's the creator of Grey's, or not creator, but the from Mark Gordon who did Grey's Anatomy. So it's a very character-driven procedural like a Grey's Anatomy less soapy more humor and yeah, yeah, you know just levity in the show um so it's what's funny a small little thing is our show shoots on the original sound stages that the original Fantasy Island shot on oh, so crazy. Uh, oh, no idea four years in and our primary stage was the primary Fantasy Island set 95% of the original Fantasy Island was all shot at Warner Brothers the juju I listen Isn't that crazy the t- the tattoo was that was like oh man that came full circle for me (laughs) (laughs) but uh i you know it's funny um i think you you will always work you guys are both talented actors that are really actors and you will always work because you you're not here because you're the flavor of the month like the cream always rises to the top Mm -hmm. and i just think that people who are who take the craft seriously and respect it even as uh, as people who know me as a stand-up comedian, I've always been an actor. I was an actor. I wrote my first stage play when I was like 13 years old. I, I wrote it and I starred in it. And I, I know, I feel like that the stage is always the true actor's medium. So for me, it's very, very seriously, like e- serious. Like even now, as I prepare for my own TV show, I'm in acting class. I have a coach. Yeah, like yeah. I don't take it. I think it's so important to take the craft seriously mm-hmm. if you're going to do it, because you know the flavor of the months they come along. But how many have you seen so far? Come and go, come, come and go, and oh, go. exactly. For come sure. and go. Longevity is important, man. 
We've been, we're, we're doing, we're doing all right. Thank you, Aida. You're amazing. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for sharing your life, your journey, yes. your comedy, all of it. I'll be watching. I'm going to watch both of y'all. Yeah. <laughs> we're watching you. Okay, mama. Un besito. <laughs> Cuídate. Bendiciones. Thank you. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
How awesome she's, is... Yeah, she's great. I can't believe I've never met her with you um, all no. these years. Um, she's really, really, really good friends um, with Lisa Vidal, with Jolene Rodriguez, uh, two women that I love so much. Oh, my God, I'm so happy. I've been telling you for a long time, we should have Ida. We should have Ida. You have to see that comedy special. Yeah, Fighting Words, for sure, on HBO, HBO Max. Max. It's out now. I'm telling you, it, it is incredible. Okay, gracias, Aida, mami. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, do you want to go back to Hot Topics real no, fast? we can save our topics for next time. No, let's do this one. Uh, this is what, because this one came out and it's, it's relevant. What about, because we went through it. The, the, the IVF, the two families, two couples that, that did IVF here in Southern California and they implanted the wrong embryos and three months, I think, a week or three months down the road, they realize uh, this is not my kid. I carried this child. Two for, different families. Two different families. That they were raising. The, well, the first the first family I read, they knew something was off right away because, because the kid didn't the look kid came like out them at with all. Dark skin. Yeah. And and black hair. Yeah. And they're both very you know I guess light skinned individuals. White, and have white, a white kid people. that is also very. And fair. the sister was yeah. like, "Wow, this doesn't look like like any of us." And then they got her, you know, tested. Um, genetically and DNA. DNA tested and, and it came yes. out not their child. Can you imagine that moment and can you imagine that phone call to the clinic saying, oh my God, this is not my kid. Where is my child? Because you know your child is somewhere. I mean, you're hoping well, that they that's, implanted that's the good news. that they the good implanted news is, uh, your embryo to yeah, somebody else's body. The good body. news is that, yeah, that their embryo actually got implanted somewhere else because if they had just screwed up and you know put two of the same family's embryos into one, one in the wrong person, then they would never have had a child all this time. So at least do, both do, families do were able to sue? get. Do you think they should million? sue? Yeah, hell yeah, you sue. Um, really? But it, not even a question. You sue the crap out of them. That's a horrific mistake that you pay these doctors. First of all, IVF is not cheap, not covered by insurance. These doctors are making a lot of money. You have a huge responsibility. You're talking. You're dealing with life. Huge responsibility to be on point with everything. Yeah, mistakes happen, but nah, you, you're not not with shit like that. Would you have kept the child that you carry? You, you can't. It, it, first of all, the only way you keep the child that you carry is if you the, the you never found out, and it was an embryo that had been sitting there, and like there's the other parents didn't want the child, whatever. But these are two families that both wanted children. Both embryos just got swapped, you know, switched at birth. I can't even, sense. I can't even at imagine. Switched I at inception oh of, of, of delivery. That's at, insane. Um, and you carry this child and then for three, two, three months, you're breastfeeding this child. It's your baby. But then you feel odd because it looks nothing like you. So I'm assuming that she always had a, uh, it was energetic. You know, she always had a little bit of a thing going, uh, something is not adding up. And then to go ahead, confirm that your hunch was correct and then having to give that child away because you still there's still a connection there. One hundred percent. It's not. You know, it's, it's, it's harder like you on carry them than this it is baby. on the child. The child, I think, is not going to remember anything. But I it's, know. It's much harder on the. Listen, the, the, I, I, the regardless of suing and all the stuff, the, the the legal nightmare that they're about to embark. You know, um, I think at some point, one once the storm is over, you know, they're going to have to find the hidden blessing in all this. Listen, she gave, she carried. A baby, it's not the baby's fault. You know what I mean? So she was able to give love and life to a little creature that it was more than, more than this, so deserving of having a, a would, beautiful um, moment inside What I would you. hope that happens is that both people sue, get a bunch of money. Oh, but it's they not about up, that. Listen, no, they it's end up about laughing that. about, not, not about that. They end up laughing at this at some point down the road. They reunite as two families and they have, they, they understand, wow, this was 
a curse that turned into a blessing and that both kids as they grow older end up understanding the story like oh my god can you imagine they actually delivered you they actually raised you for I the first three months I don't think they know the, the then, kids need to know no, 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 later I don't think life, the kids I think it could be a great thing that you know you go wow this is the person who actually brought you into this world and they raised you for the first three months of your life this was a huge screw up and everybody's happy and healthy we both are raising our families now but I think that would be a cool connection because the parents also want, you know, are going to probably wonder about baby so-and-so for the first three months or whatever happened to oh that child. Goodness. So I oh hope that goodness. they keep in touch at some point. I only bring up the suing point because then they can all go out and do like a great family vacation together with that money they got. I think at this point <laughs> it's about emotional health. No, it's, you know, it's terrible, but... Because they need to heal and they need to understand it happened, but I need to move on. Now I have my child. There's a happy ending, in my opinion. Three okay. months, it would have been way worse if it was eight yes. years. Yes, yes, I know. agree. So. Anyways, this was beautiful. Thank you, Aida. Thank you for the hot topics. Yeah, we'll keep I love my family. Doing that project. I love my kids. Love I love kids. my husband. Uh, I don't want to travel so much. I don't want to sure. be away. I don't want people thinking that work is more important than we'll that, that my, my kids grow because I'm Yosuda Mamagajina. My my kids and my family, you guys are everything. I don't want people to get this. Well, she does say she's taking off to leave me again. So let's see. Oh, my goodness. No, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words. Love you. I love you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to write us a review and tell us what you think. If you want to follow us on Instagram, check us out at Iset Ella Dijo or send us an email, Eric and Ross at iHeartRadio.com. Iset Ella Dijo is part of iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. See you next time. Bye. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Delve into the visceral world of hip hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.